Grab your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 15. We are in a series that I called homecoming. Actually, we called homecoming. Um, I'm so old that I need a team of people to help me be creative. So we called it homecoming, everybody. And we are talking about the prodigal son. And last week, listen, I, I want you to track along with us in this series. And if you missed last week, it is available on Spotify and YouTube and the website and the app and everywhere. But go back and listen. We talked about the away game and we talked about how you get end up away from God. And uh, this week, I want to talk about the home game, the home game. I want to talk about how you get close to God, how you get back to God or how you stay close to God. So Luke chapter 15, um, this is the last year of Jesus' ministry. Jesus had been hanging out with a rough crowd. How many know Jesus hung out with a rough crowd? And what I love about Jesus is the rough crowd liked him. You do not have to compromise your standard or your integrity to be a friend of sinners. In fact, you should be able to be a very on fire for Jesus person and still hang out with sinners. Now there's a difference between hanging out with sinners and hanging out in sin. But this is what I love about Jesus. The, the religious spirit, sinners won't get around that. Too much condemnation, too much judgment, too much criticism from people that don't have too much hypocrisy, right? But I love Jesus because he was perfect Yet the most flawed of his day liked to hang out with him. What a great message for the church. What if people didn't have to look like us to belong to us? They didn't have to act like us to belong to us. They didn't have to have everything worked out in their life to belong to us because you don't have everything worked out in your life. Most of the time, we've just been saved long enough to cover up the stuff that's not working right. How y'all doing? Right, so Luke 15, he's telling this parable because he's hanging out with, with um, tax collectors and sinners. And I don't know why Jesus and the Bible always seem to put the IRS and sinners together. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I'm curious by it. I feel the same way, but, um, but he does hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And uh, because he's hanging out with them and he's a rabbi, the Pharisees are like, this looks terrible to have a rabbi hanging out with these sinful people. So Jesus tells three parables about a shepherd who had lost one out of 100 sheep and he left 99 to go find the one. He talks about a widow who had 10 coins but lost one and set nine aside to search everywhere to find this one coin. And then he tells one of the most famous parables of the Bible that everybody probably, if you've been around a church, you've heard about this prodigal son. A father had two sons and one of them gets his inheritance and leaves home. So I'm gonna read part of that and then we're gonna dive in today. It says, and then Jesus said, a certain man had two sons the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. That's hungry, y'all. I've never been that hungry, but that's hungry. 
I've seen pig slop. I've never been that hungry. He was hungry. And he would have gladly filled his stomach. Verse 17, but when he came to himself. If you have a Bible, you can write in, underline that. If you do not have a Bible, you can write in, throw that Bible away and get you one. You can write in and underline, but he came to himself. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? They got extra and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great ways off, his father saw him and had compassion. He must have been looking for him. wonder how many days he stood out there and he had compassion. He ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said, I've sinned against you and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, bring out the best robe. Put a ring on his hands, sandals on his feet. Get the fatted calf. That's how we do know this was in Texas. Because there's barbecue involved. Come on, somebody. God can move at a barbecue. Listen, you, what do you think the marriage supper of the lamb's going to be if it's not some ribs and some brisket and some sweet tea with some potato salad? And you're like, I don't like that. You're not from Texas. Listen, you go back. Go back to California. Um, <laughs> we better pray, y'all. We better pray. Let's pray. <laughs> Let's pray together. Jesus, we're going to need some help today, Lord. Um, God, most importantly, don't let us miss this moment with you. We are here in your presence and you are speaking. Don't let us miss a word of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the home, the home game. How do we get home? How do we go? See, what I, what I like about the story is why a lot of people, a lot of people relate this to lost people. And, and I definitely think there's an application there, and I could explain how I think that applies. Um, because Israel was supposed to be God's children, but they had gone astray, right? So you, you, and so we as Gentiles are grafted in. And so you can make a case, all three of these parables are about people who are lost. But you could also make a case they were about people who had been found, but then chose to leave. And that's where you see this parable of the prodigal son. It's an incredible story. He was a son. He knew the father. He was at home. He chose to leave. And we talked about that last week. And, and the truth of it is when we talk about the word prodigal, and this is just recap, we talk about the word prodigal. prodigal. Prodigal does not tell us why he came home. Prodigal, that word tells us why he left. And, and what we learned last week is to, to simplify it down because there was an area of his life that was not restrained. And so prodigal means he left. And I've found this is true of most believers at some point in our journey. Not necessarily that we get all the way, all the way to Vegas and end up in a pig pen wanting to eat slop. But I have found there are things in us that move us away from God. And we have to then figure out how to come back to God. 
Like the, the Christian journey is an ebb and flow. And while we're supposed to, actually supposed to, to live it getting closer and closer and closer to God. I don't know if y'all realize that. We, we don't get saved um, because hell is hot and we need fire insurance and we say a prayer. And so then we have eternal life and we just wait on the big greyhound to heaven. And that's really all this is about. No, no, no. This is about a relationship. And it's really about a relationship that is very purposeful in that our relationship with God is what God desires. But through that relationship, he brings the reign of his kingdom into the earth. And so there's relationship and partnership. So, so God's heart is relationship, but his purpose is partnership. Are you with me? So because of that, the Christian life is an ebb and flow and a journey, really, of getting close to God, which is a process, ultimately, of surrender. You're as close to God as you are surrendered to him. And so, but I've found for most of us, while it's supposed to be like I'm getting closer to God, 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 um, sometimes it looks a little bit more like this, getting closer to God. Well, not today. <laughs> oh, I like this over here. I think I'd rather do this over here. Oh, I like these things. And really, it becomes sometimes more like a moonwalk. Now, I don't moonwalk, but kind of like a slow fade. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, this doesn't dance. This doesn't. It's not, it's not made for it. No. It's made for falling, not dancing. Anyways, but, but sometimes we, we even think we're moving forward when we're really moving backward because we're not surrendering things and we're choosing things and we're not really listening and, and, and we've gotten distracted by things. And, and so we all end up moving sometimes away from the Father and sometimes we, we don't even know we've moved away till something happens and we start looking for him. And that's what happened here. He didn't realize how far away from home he was till he lost all of his money. Right? And, so, and so, so this is about a son then who knew the father, drifted away, and then had to come home. So let me tell you how we get home. How we get home. You can write these down. Very simple points today. Number one, you have to see yourself. You have to see yourself. What Jesus says in this parable is he said, and when he came to himself, when he came to himself, let me say it another way. When he got honest with himself, right? When he got honest, can we be honest for a minute? Because we're in church. Sometimes the hardest person to be honest with is yourself. You don't believe me? Go to Walmart at midnight. Because they walked out of the house thinking, I look good enough. No, you don't. You don't look good. You need a friend. You, or a mirror. Either one. A mirror or a friend. Because somebody need to tell you, no, ma'am. <laughs> no, ma'am. You go to Walmart, it looks like the walking dead. We got to do something different, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so, so sometimes, like men, men are, hey, listen, let me tell on men for a minute. We are better at this than women. Women will look in the mirror and say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I realize I look this bad. Like this is bulging and it shouldn't bulge here and this is doing this and it should. Where's my spanks? 
Men. We, we, we can have a stomach that's hanging down and just hairy and just, and, and we're like, and we get in front of a mirror and we're like, wait a second, wait a second. Oh yeah, I still got it. <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't breathe. But if you exhale, you could kill somebody. It's like James talked about looking in a mirror and then we go away and forget what we look like. Men, we're terrible at this. Sometimes the hardest person to be honest with is yourself. Do you know why? Because you lie to you. Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful. It is wicked. Like, it will lie to you. And your heart will tell you you're closer to God than you are. Your heart will tell you that you don't have sin. You just have a problem. Your heart will tell you that really you're doing okay even when you're not doing okay. Like, it will lie to you. And, and here's, here's how you come home. You have to get honest with you and say, you know what? I don't think I'm doing that well. I don't think I'm as close to God as I used to be. I don't think I'm as close to God as I need to be. Like, I think I have let some things in, and there's some pursuits of my heart and some ambitions in my heart that, you know, this is my greatest concern about social media today is we now have a generation of people that are more concerned with being discovered than being developed. We have a generation of pastors more concerned about being TikTok famous than known in hell. Is this, like... When I pray a lot, I get real bold. Amen. I've been praying a lot. Amen. Buckle up. Yeah. But but um but we're we're not we're not honest with us and sometimes things have to happen to, to where we actually we actually get honest with us. In, in other words, what I love about this is it said and and there arose, when he had spent all there arose a famine. Did you know that God needs you to come to the end of yourself and you can find the end of you or he will help? And either way, it's grace. Um, someone told me the other, uh, we were talking the other day and I've had this conversation a lot and this conversation of where is rock bottom for that person? Here's why I can tell you. Rock bottom's wherever you want it to be. Like, he didn't have to get to the pig pen to find rock bottom. He was just that stubborn. Because God lovingly starts helping you find the end of you. This is why the law was given. When we talk about what's the purpose of the law, well, the law was given according to Romans chapter 3. Paul says the law was given to get us to come to the end of us, to realize we're not good enough, to realize we can't find our way to God, to realize we're never going to have a relationship with God depending on our, our, our own flesh, our own ability, that we're going to have to trust in Jesus and we're going to have faith in him. And so the law was never given to give us a relationship with God. It was given to show us we can't find our own way to God, that we can't actually earn a relationship, that we're never going to be good. The law was given to get us to the end of us. 
Like, th- this, is, this is something grace does. If you've ever been caught, it was God's grace. And I've heard people say, well, you know, he got caught, so that wasn't, you know, it wasn't true repentance. No, 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 you, we all get caught. The law catches us. It's just some of us get caught privately, and some people get caught publicly. But if you came to God, you had a moment somewhere in your life where you came to yourself. In other words, you got to the end of yourself. And when you got to the end of yourself, you looked for him. One of the most loving things God can do is help you get to the end of yourself. And God will actually orchestrate circumstances to help you get to the end of you. Who do you think causes the famine? Can I tell you something, then we'll kind of work it out for just a minute. Um, Not every famine is from the devil and not every feast is from God. Right? Hey, Satan will throw you a party in Vegas. He will give you a feast, baby. Right? If he's keeping you away from the Father, he will give you a feast. And there are some people that... This is why we can't look at our level of blessing as somehow some indication of how good we're doing. Right? In fact, this is the danger of blessing. Did you know favor has a downside just like it has an upside? You have to have favor with God to have favor with man. But if you have favor with God, you get favor with man. And sometimes we confuse favor with man as being blessing from God. And we will actually use the favor we gain from God with man to move us away from God because we get more concerned about the favor with man. That was a lot. That can take you a quieter time or two to figure out. But the point is this, is that we can't look at our current level or status of blessing as an indication of how our relationship with God is going. It is true that a good relationship with God is a, is a blessed life. But a lot of times we look at the wrong indications and the wrong gauges and say, well, I've got money. God must be okay with everything I'm doing. No, 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 no. There's a lot of people that have money that don't know who God is. There's a lot of, you know, well, I'm in church all the time. So were the Pharisees. They couldn't tell Jesus when he showed up and looked at them in the face. And so what you have to understand, this is the grace of God. The grace of God, God will actually use lack to get you to come home. He will let the blessing run out. He, he, will, he will use lack because, because here's the thing. He wants you to come home. In, in fact, God will never enable distance from him. The reason some prayers aren't answered is because if he answered them, you'd stay away from him. God will not enable you to stay away from him. He's not an enabler. He will not enable you to stay in the pig pen. He will not enable you to stay in Vegas. I wonder how long this son would have stayed in the pig pen if the father would have kept sending him care packages. Dad, it's not going well, but could you bless me anyway? Sure, son, I'll bless you anyway so you can stay in the pig pen. 
No, God's not that way. He loves you too much. He cares too much for you. So God will let everything run out. He'll let your peace run out. He'll let your joy run out. Sometimes he'll let your sanity run out just a little bit because God will actually use lack to help you come to yourself. He will actually not answer prayers that he wants to answer because if he answers them now, you'll use it to move away or stay away. So he will withhold grace. What does grace look like apart from God? Grace apart from God looks like lack. Grace in the presence of God looks like abundance. And so if you're away from God, the most gracious thing he can do is let the blessing run out. Because sometimes, unfortunately, in, in, the, in the way that we think, in the way that we think, we equate blessing with approval. And, and, and so sometimes he's like, since that's the way you think, I'll let the blessing run out so you'll know I don't approve. You know, there's a, a big, uh, you know, I've heard this big thing about tolerance. <laughs> I can hear somebody not help him, Jesus, Jesus. The staff just started praying in the spirit. <laughs> God is the least tolerant I've ever seen in my life. Because the push of tolerance is tell me I'm Okay. Don't, don't confuse tolerance with acceptance. Let me say it another way. Don't, don't confuse acceptance with approval. God is the most accepting but the least tolerant. Right? He will accept you as you are. He will accept you in the pig pen. But he will not tolerate what keeps you there or what got you there. Let me say it another way. God loves you just where you are. You do not have to change for him to love you. But his love is so strong and so powerful because he loves you. He will never be able to tolerate what is hurting you or keeping you from him. So he will continually work to move you forward. To move you out of the pig pen. He loves you so much. He'll love you in the pig pen, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. So he will never be tolerant of what puts you there. Because anything that hurts you is an enemy to him. Even if it's something you like, accept, believe, and desire. If it hurts you, it's his enemy. Um, the truth of the matter is, life was not designed to be lived apart from him. Like, let me say another way. Life doesn't work without his presence. You, you were created, I don't know if you know this, you were created by the presence of God. He breathed into Adam's nostrils, and Adam became a living being. He was created by presence. You were created for the presence of God. Don't you know your temples of the Holy Spirit? You were created for the presence of God. By the presence of God, for the presence of God. 
right? You, you were created to live in the presence of God. David said, one thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Revelation 21, the, whole, the way this whole thing comes together is the end, is there is a voice called from heaven and said, look, here comes this new Jerusalem coming down, and now the dwelling place of God is with man. You were created to live in the presence of God. So you're created by it, you're created for it, you're created to be in it. Having said that, it doesn't work without it. Just like a car won't work without gasoline, your life will not work without the presence of God. John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, you need to understand the Bible uh, in the New Testament. Uh, we see one word, life. If you study the Greek, there are actually three Greek words that get translated life. Um, those words would be bios, bios, suke, and zoe. Now, a lot of people read this in a book, so I don't know. This might be new to you, might not. But just so we're all on the same page, bios is biological life. It means, do you have a pulse? All right, so there are places in the Bible where it's like, hey, this, he's, you know, he's, he's alive. Okay, well, it's saying he has a pulse. Suke is, do you have, it's soul. Do you have mind, will, and emotion? Sometimes that's, that's your decisions, your feelings, that, that type of thing. That's life. Um, but zoe is the eternal um, life of God. It's eternal. It's not about uh, quantity. It's about quality. We think eternal. Well, that's forever. No, it's just that powerful. It's about the power of it, not how long it lasts. And so when John 10, 10, when Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, he is actually telling you what the problem is. The problem is you can be breathing and be dead. You can have desires and a will and make decisions and still be dead. He's coming because dead people need to be alive, not because bad people need to act better. Right? So he wasn't coming because non-religious people need to be more religious or bad people need to act better. No, he's coming because everybody religious or non-religious, everybody's dead and I'd like to see them alive. So he came to give us life. And that's why it says, and that life was the light of men because we're created for it and from it, we are drawn to whatever we think will make us alive. Most of the time, the sin we participate in is under, um, we are under the belief that somehow we will feel more alive. So we are looking for something to make us feel alive. And Jesus said, that, that's only found in me. Like I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now here's the reality of it is that life is so strong, that eternal life is so strong that you can actually Receive eternal life and move away from the Father just like we see the prodigal son do. But here's what you need to understand. Was, I don't know if you thought about this. Was he still a son? Yeah. He was still a son. Grace is not based on performance. It's based on position. And position is granted not by your performance but by Jesus' performance. I'm seated with him, not because I'm good enough, but because he did everything. Right? And so here, here's, here's my concern is you can have eternal life away from the Father, but you can only have abundant life in the presence of the Father. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people that are happy enough with eternal life 
and they never get to experience abundant life. And so what this, what this prodigal son did was he came to himself. He said, my life doesn't work away from God's presence. Right? In, in the presence of God, Psalm 16, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy and treasures forevermore. I've got to get back to the presence of God. Now, let me tell you one more thing, and then we'll get to point two. One more thing. You ready? I love this, because when he came home, let me ask you a question. Do you think he was dirty? Come on, y'all. Have you ever been in a hog pen? Do you think he was dirty? Do you think he was dirty physically? Do you think he was dirty spiritually? He'd been in Vegas hanging out with prostitutes and, and, and doing crack. Do you think he was dirty in his soul? You think it messed with his mind? Yeah. In fact, I know he was dirty because that's where the mama is. He starts down the driveway and the father says, he's home. And she looks and says, my Lord. And she went to draw a bath. Because they're Southern, right? <laughs> Mama went to get some bath water. Here's the great thing. <laughs> it said it, he came to himself. It didn't say he had to clean himself. <laughs> oh, listen. You come to yourself, but you don't have to clean yourself. Come on, this is grace, somebody. He didn't have to clean himself up to come home. He just had to come to himself to come home. He just had to find the end of him. He didn't have to make it all right. He just had to realize he wasn't right. Are you with me? He didn't have to fix it, clean it, figure it out, make himself acceptable, get a bath, put on some new clothes. He didn't have to look better, act better, feel better, or think better. He just had to come to the end of himself and come home. Do you know, according to the Bible, God washes your spirit. God cleans your spirit. Amen. Hey, if, if, we, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God washes our spirit by his grace in the blood of his son. You know what else? God washes your soul. He said he purifies her, this Ephesians 5, by the washing of water with the word. The application of his blood will cleanse your spirit, and the application of his word will cleanse your soul. That's what you need to understand. If you need to come home, you need to be washed. You don't have to clean yourself up, but you need to apply the soap that he's given you. You apply the blood, and then you apply the word. So you have to see yourself. Here's the, here's the second thing. I only have two points, so don't stress out. <laughs> My God, Ethel, we'll be here all day. The second point, you have to see yourself. The second point is, I think they're making shirts. It says, Ethel, get your purse for our birthday. I think they are. <laughs> I saw the design the other day. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, Ethel, get your purse. Boy, we're going to preach all day. You have to see yourself. And then the second thing is you have to see the Father. You have to see yourself and you have to see the Father. Luke, Luke 15, 17, it says, but when he came to himself, look what he says. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? In fact, when he came to himself and stopped looking at him, he started looking at the Father. And here's what he said. My father is good even to servants. In other words, he saw 
the grace of his father and it gave him faith. Say it another way. It was by grace through faith. Like this is, this is how he came. He said, wait a second, wait a second. I've had this. See, I, I think he left home and I think a lot of people leave home. I think a lot of people stay away from home for this one reason. They think that the father is keeping them from something that is good. Right? In fact, if you've ever picked sin, it's because you thought it was good for you. Now, you may have logically known it was wrong, but you still thought it was good for you because you wanted it. Right? Like, we went to the movies last night, and I know that popcorn and M&M's is not good for me, but it is good. Do y'all do this? You, you, get the, you get the big bag of popcorn, and you just start pouring M&M's, and then you get the sweet and the savory together, and it's like revival. Like, it's like, oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Now, I know it's not good for me, but I pick it because it's good. And most of the time when we pick sin, it's because we think we know better for us than God, or we think something's good, or we think something is what we want regardless, and we think he, he wants to keep us from. In fact, if you go all the way back, this is how man fell. This goes all the way back to the garden. Satan convinced Adam that something God limited and said no to was actually good for him. Oh, you won't die if you eat that fruit, Adam. You'll be like God and you'll know good and evil. Like this is better. This is good. And so most of the time, the reason we move away from home or we stay away from home is because the enemy has convinced us that God is trying to control us that God is trying to keep us from what is good, that God is holding us back. And I think he left home because we know he left home. What was he? He was prodigal. Meaning there was an area in his life that was unrestrained. So he felt the restraint at home and he said, I got to get away from the father so I can be me. It's one of the biggest lies. One of the biggest lies is the same lie that was given to Adam, that you'll be a better version of you away from the presence of God. That you'll enjoy life more away from the presence of God. That you'll be free away from the presence of God. It's a lie of the enemy. You'll have more fun away from the presence of God. And I think he left home because he looked at the father and he said, he's trying to control me. He's judgmental. He won't let me have any fun. This really isn't that bad. It may need, it, listen, <laughs> The road may not be that bad, but what's at the end? Because I found most people that pick it's not that bad end up with it's terrible. It's not that bad. It's worse. And so I think he left home because why? He was seeing the father the wrong way. Now, let me tell you why we see the father the wrong way. Because we have been taught the law. And because we don't understand the purpose of the law, and we've been taught the law, we try to see God through the law. And so we know the law, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. 
But you need to understand that the law was never designed to show us God. It was designed to reveal his standard. The law was actually designed to show you you, not him. James says that the law is a mirror. Well, what do mirrors do? They show us up. Like, can I tell you, the Bible's a mirror to look at you in, not a window to look through to judge someone else. We keep turning it into a window. Oh, I need to put this scripture out there because so-and-so needs to hear this one because I know what they did. <laughs> You're missing the point. The Bible's there to show you you. But, but when we don't understand that the law was given, again, remember, to get us to the end of us, so it was designed to show us us. And we start trying to look through the law, and Satan is so good at getting people to try to look through the law to see God. Well, God says no to this. God says no to this. God says no to this. The law can't show you his heart. It only shows you his standard. See, the heart of God behind the law is, I only limit what I know will kill you. We see the limits. We don't understand the love. Love limits what will hurt you. But the law wasn't given to, to show us, to show us. In fact, 2 Corinthians 3, 15, it says, yes, to this day, whenever Moses, that's talking about the law, whenever Moses is read, the veil lies over their hearts, right? And then it says this, verse 16, but when one turns to the Lord, turns to Jesus, the veil is removed. You, you, can't, you can't see God through the law. In fact, the law will always keep you, the, the law always creates distance, and it does it through one of two ways, pride or condemnation. If you think you're keeping the law, welcome to being religious. You're prideful. That keeps you as a distance. We see that with the older son, by the way, because he said, Dad, you never gave me any good. And the father never gave me a goat. You never threw me a party. And the father said, you're with me. All that I have is yours. He was at home and still distant because he was prideful. The younger son went, went away, Right? Because he felt the condemnation. I can't keep the law. I don't want to keep the law. There's good on the other side of the law. I'm tired of being limited. I want to live unrestrained. And so the law keeps us distant. Either way, whether it's condemnation or pride, the law keeps us distant. That's why the, John said the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace comes near. It comes to us. Right? And so in Jesus, then the law, right, is not done away with. It is fulfilled. And now we can look to Jesus and now we have in the flesh the heart of God living and breathing. This is, you can't see God through law. You have to, this is why it's so important. This is why, there's so much I like to say here, but. That's why religion kills and the spirit gives life. Because you teach people law, the strength of sin is the law. If you want people to sin, keep teaching them law. Law will move them away from God. Keep teaching them law. You can't keep it. it. The law is not there to help you live righteous. The law is there to show you you're not. So you will come to the one who is. And grace comes near. It is personal. And Jesus came. 
and dwelt among us. That is grace coming near. And Philip said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, if you've seen me. See, grace, <laughs> grace isn't a doctrine. He's a person. He's Jesus. And it's looking to Jesus then that I actually get to see the heart of the Father. It's looking at, at his grace. See, I, I think he left home because really he couldn't see the Father. I think he came home because he finally saw the Father. But he saw him not through the lens, not through the veil of the law, but through the liberty, through the freedom of grace. And he said, he is, he's good. And when you see God, this is why people say, well, if you preach on grace, people are going to live away from God. Only if they abuse grace. But I would say if you preach law, people are going to live away from God. Oh, they'll still be at church. They just won't be near him. Just like the older son. But when you see the grace of God and you realize you can be close to God no matter how much you've screwed up, that you can come home no matter how dirty you are, that you don't have to clean yourself up. Man, when you really get grace, you want to be at home with the Father. When you really see grace, you don't want to say, well, God, you're so good. I'm going to stay in the hog pen. You're going to say, no, you're so good. I'm going to come home. I want to be with you. Um, so, so he sees the goodness of the Father. Now, I just want to show you this. And he's going to come home, but he still thinks, this is so good. Please stay with me. If you're watching online, just, you don't have anywhere to go. You're watching online. Stay here. You're sitting in your recliner anyway. Um, so he sees the goodness of the Father. He's like, my Father's good. He's good to his servants. I'm going to go home. But he still thought he was going to be judged. You know how I know? Because he had a speech. Luke, Luke 15, 18, it says, I will arise and go to my Father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you, and before heaven I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired servants. He, in other words, he's like, I'm still going to be judged for my sin. Like God's good. He, Father's good. He'll probably forgive me, but I'm going to have to pay for it. Right? And can y'all tell when I get excited? That's me trying to slow my brain down. Because if I start talking as fast as my brain's going, it's going to sound like I'm speaking in tongues. Somebody's going to interpret. It's going to get weird. You know what I'm saying? So, he thought, he thought I'm, I, I, God, Father's good, but I'm still going to be judged. Now, I need to tell you something. If you're sitting here and you're away from God and you're worried about being judged, let me give you the words of Jesus. John 5, for the father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the son. The father's not judging you today. All right. He's given all judgment to the son. John 8, 15, Jesus said, you judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. According to Jesus, if you want to come home, God is not judging and Jesus is not judging. Now, how is that possible? Because you sinned, and we know you did. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> how is that possible? Because Jesus was judged for your sin. Oh, 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 look at this. Colossians, listen, listen. Colossians 3.14. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. 
Today, if you want to come home, listen to me. If you want to come home, God is not judging. The Father is not judging. Jesus is not judging because Jesus was judged for you. He was judged in your place. All the judgment for your sin was nailed to that cross 2,000 years ago. And if you come home, you don't have to pay for what you did. Listen, all of it. Listen. I'm trying to land this plane, but you got to listen fast. So he comes home with this speech. He says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before man. I'm no longer worthy because your son made me like one of the hours. Remember that speech? Well, he practices it in the pig pen, but then he gets home. Look at this, verse 21. And he said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy because your son. But the Father, did anybody notice what happened? The father interrupted his speech. He said, shut up, boy. Are you with me? And there's some people in here, you're still trying to remind God of how you failed and why you don't deserve his goodness or grace. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, shut up for a minute. Bring out the robe. Bring out the ring. Find me some sandals and kill me a cow. We're about to have a party. See, the truth of the matter is the father had been practicing his welcome home speech longer than the son had been practicing his I'm sorry speech. He saw the goodness of God and he came home and he said, you know what? I left because I saw him wrong and now coming home, I still don't see him right because I think I'm going to have to pay. Now, why did the father not say, well, where's the money? You going to pay me back? He said, you don't have to pay me back. You don't owe me anything because I've paid to make you right with me. It's my cow, my robe, it's my ring, it's my sandals. You come home, I'll pay to make you right. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. If you want to come home, you come home and realize God is not waiting there on restitution. He's waiting there because he's ready to restore you. He's not needing you to pay for your sin. He's already paid. Whatever took you away, he's already paid. That's why God is good. If you're wondering if God is good today, stop looking at your circumstance and start looking at your Savior. He demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He died to bring us back. On your worst day, he did his best work. On your worst day, He gave you the best gift. On your worst day, he gave you the most, (laughs) the most good thing he could ever give you. Don't let Satan convince you he's not good because of something going on in your life. Because of something you feel like he's keeping from you or some prayer he didn't answer. No, you look to Jesus and you realize God put his money where his mouth was. He said, I'm good, and I'll sacrifice the best thing that I have so that I can be good to you. Talk about a father that wants to be good to you. He paid 
so he could be good to you. If you want to come home, just see yourself and see him. He's good. Amen. Why don't you stand up? God, thank you so much. I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and make your way down here. God, thank you so much for your goodness. Come on, maybe you just thank him. Bow your head, just, God, thank you. Thank you that you're good. God, thank you that you're good. Thank you that you're good, God. Listen, every head bowed and, and no one's looking around. But I want to do it this way. Today, if if you need to move back to God, if you need to come home, and, and it, it can be that you're way away from home or you've just drifted a little ways, I want you just to make your way down to the front. No one's looking around, but I just want you to make your way down the front. If, if you're here and you need a relationship with God, I want you to make your way down to the front. But if you're also here and, and you're like, man, I've drifted away from God. I need, I need to move back to God. Don't miss this opportunity. No one's looking around. But, but I just, instead of doing the whole secret hand thing, I would just, if you, if you want to come home, I, I think his coming home was just kind of a, he wasn't worried about who saw him in town. He wasn't worried because he knew, that, he's like, no, I, I'm, I'm coming home. And here's the great thing. God's not judging you if you need to come home at any time between now and the end. And you can do it after we close, but I want to go ahead and say you can do it now, but I want you to come down. If you need a relationship with God, I want you to come down. If you need a relationship with God, you're watching online, I want you to text my pathway prayer to 77977. And let us pray for you. I think, I think for me, I just, I think when we make a commitment to God, I just, I just, I don't know. I, I think nothing against those secret hand slip ups and things, but I just think, man, Jesus was crucified publicly. And if I need to come to him, I just need to do it publicly. I just need to walk down there and say, God, here I am and fall on his mercy and grace and let him restore and change and transform and heal and deliver and set free and and so we want to pray with you. And, and, and so if you need to, just come on. Just come on. You, you can come right now. No one's looking around there. Just listen to me talk. You can come on. But you can come on at any point all the way through the end of the service. But I, but I just think, come on down. And God, I just pray right now, God, for all of us in this room, God, I pray that, that we, we would see ourselves and we would see you. And, and God, that that we would live at the end of us, really. And God, that we would live seeing how good you are, how gracious and loving and kind, how good you are, God. And God, I pray if there's anyone else in this room that God, they just need to come home or anybody needs a relationship with you or anybody watching online, God, I pray that they would text and I pray they would come down, but God, don't let anybody leave. God, until, until, they, until they connect with you. God, until, until your grace is able to work in their life. God, we don't want anybody to leave. God, draw them to you today. And God, for the rest of us, Lord, just let it be a checkup 
from the heart up, God, to say today, Lord, we realize it's not about us. It's about you and you are good. And God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody say amen. Come on, can you give Jesus one more praise together? God is so good. Listen, I love you. You're amazing. Um, I love you. God loves you. I believe in you. God believes in you. If you need prayer, man, we want you to come. Regardless, we'll pray for anything. So you come on. Everybody else say a big God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next weekend.